Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are back with another question. Uh, is the food that we eat killing us? Nice, nice, short and sweet. I actually got my cousin Megan here to talk. The, she's the one who's been telling me that my Diet Coke has been trying to kill me for the last 20 years and I wasn't listening. And then I saw an article like, I don't know, six months ago that was like, hey, the, the aspartame is killing you. And I was like, ah, she was right. I knew it. Oh, zero sugar. I don't know which one is in that, isn't it? So this is, um, this is, where is it? Is that the uh, I'll find it. or the As- it's got aspartame in it. Aspartame. It's, yeah. Uh, um, but it's got some other stuff in it too. What's interesting is the the zeros um for whatever reason taste different than the diet whatever and mm-hmm. Dr Pepper Zero tastes like a Dr Pepper. And mm-hmm. for a while I was drinking Dr Pepper 10s because you know they had like 10% regular Dr Pepper to give it not the aftertaste. Um, and I just need to get off sodas in general. I've worked at it for years, but my stress drink has never been alcohol. My stress drink has always been sodas because I grew up in a household where we had a case of soda. Right? We had cases of soda next to the fridge and a whole shelf that was dedicated to it. And I learned to drink and like Dr. Pepper Coke, whatever, hot, because that was the only way I could get to them before they got drank out of the fridge. So, um, I mean, it, which is, you know, it's the 80s. We didn't know any better. People were still smoking in their house and smoking on airplanes. And, you know, I mean, um, but I'm diabetic now. So, yes, my food's trying to kill me, right? Yeah. Um, and I've just <laughs> moved into that diabetic threshold. And what's interesting about this is my father's also diabetic, and so is my mom. But my father's on insulin, and he is now wearing a device which uh, you can plug into your arm and or on your abs mm-hmm. uh, or somewhere, and it shows you your it monitors your sugar level constantly. <clears throat> and because he's on insulin and diabetic, it's covered a hundred percent on his Medicare Medicaid type insurance. My doctor tried to get me a less advanced one. And same company, but a less advanced one. And I went to go pick up the prescription, and I'm, I'm hoping to budget it for next year. But our insurance, which is some of the best insurance through the company we have that you can legally still own. In fact, the Affordable Care, the Affordable Care Act that Obama signed made our old insurance illegal. We had one of those gold parachute insurances that only the CEOs got, but our company gave it to everybody back then. It's like $170 retail per month for the sensor, not the advanced one. And ours only covered like half, and so it was going to be like 75 bucks. And I just don't have that in my budget right now. But my father's been able to leverage this and see how different types of food, because everybody says for diabetics, carbs are bad, right? Generic, carbs bad. Stay away from them. But he's been able to adjust what carbs are bad and Mm -hmm. what types of bread are bad and what types of bread from here are bad and this. And then he did an experiment, which I didn't believe, but he read it somewhere in a diabetic forum or diabetic website where it said, cook your pasta that you want to eat the night before 
and then refrigerate it for at least 24 hours and you will get 50% or less sugars into your body afterward. And so he did. He cooked some, ate it, sugar went up to like 125, 150 or whatever, refrigerated it, ate the same pasta and ate triple the amount and his sugar went up to like 65. Yeah, that makes so, sense because once you're yeah. cooling off the the mm-hmm. the gluten molecule, I would assume you're making it less bioavailable. So that I mean that yeah, makes there's chemistry sense. happening. Yeah, um, but I want one of these sensors. And what I don't understand is if we want to be healthy, if that's our goal, if we say that as the government, we say that as insurance, and we now have a monitoring device <clears throat> that can live monitor our sugars, and we know at least for people who are diabetic. Why isn't this being covered 100%? Because it's a lot cheaper than the... big question. (laughs) It's a lot cheaper than the treatments and stuff like if your foot gets infected or, you know, losing hands and toes and all those things that come down the line. And if I can monitor my sugars, I don't need as much meds, right? Um, And I'm on... I don't mind saying. I'm on metformin, which is kind of like a magic drug. It does a lot of really good stuff uh, compared to a lot of the other diabetic stuff. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know my food's trying to kill me, but I don't have any good way to measure it. And the other problem is like right now I'm paycheck to paycheck. Eating Eating healthy healthy in America is expensive. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's different than you think. Like for instance, your drink, your soda, you're spending a lot of money on soda in the first place. But there's a lot of stuff in there. There's at the aspartame, like you said, which, by the way, over an extended period of time of consumption, aspartame mimics diseases. Diabetes is number one on the list. Alzheimer's, uh, Epstein-Barr, Guillain-Barre, or whatever that one is, tons of them. So the consumption of it can mimic, it can cause the disease itself, but it can mimic it. So the symptoms, you know, you present these symptoms to your doctor and he goes, oh, you've got diabetes and your blood sugar shows it. When all the whole time that aspartame is in there, kill you know, doing this to you, doing this to your yeah. cells. Yeah, and I, and, and I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, the other part of that is, you know, we also know diabetes is genetic, and it's it, been in it, my yes. family line for, for a while, so I'm predisposed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if I but, change but my is diet. It, is, it, is it genetic because – Three generations ago, we introduced the sugar into the into the genetic line, and it's actually modified the way that the genetics in your family handle those sugars. We had people possible. We had people now they weren't diagnosed diabetic because they didn't know what it was, but we had people with the diabetic symptoms in the 1880s and the 1890s in the family. I mean, it is a it is a trait that follows along. Then you were doomed from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and, and now that's not to dismiss the fact that my bad eating habits didn't make it worse. Right. Yeah. Um, and if I change well, my diet. Not, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's not necessarily that you had bad eating habits. It's that you can eat as bad as you want the food that we all grew up on. Because back then it was just the food. It was just junk food. Mm-hmm. Now it's been so poisoned that. Even if you have diabetes as genetic, it's in your genes. You can eat so much of this stuff, and it will trigger it. It will it will bring the disease on, and you will have it. And I don't know if that's by design, or I don't know why they're putting all this stuff in our food, but it's there. So I'm I don't, fascinated I don't know if it's by, by some of this. 
Go, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. I, saying, I don't know if it's by design, but I definitely know, and, I, and I've, I've mentioned this. I don't think I've mentioned this before on here, but but we know because it's been it's been brought up a lot that the food pyramid was bought and paid for by yes the sugar industry, and so we have to start from everything they taught us in school mm-hmm. was a lot from the beginning. So we've been we've been treating our food and looking at it wrong from the beginning, right. and. There's another historical aspect to this. During World War II, the food industry needed to find a way to pack highly preservative, highly mm-hmm. not breakdown, high calorie superfoods. And I think in that in those people's minds, they were trying to do something better. And so we got quote unquote processed food, right? Mm-hmm. Um now that doesn't mean that at some point somebody may not have done something else. Yeah. Right? So, so but, you need to go read "Salt, Sugar, Fat" by yeah. Michael Moss, and he really dives into the beginning of this whole process. And he really dives into it actually with the Lunchable. Like he really uh, breaks down those, like yeah. how the Lunchable. You know, the Lunchable originally came with a napkin. Yes. Like, I didn't know I that. Yeah, it came with a napkin when they first came out. <laughs> and it came with like um, a mayonnaise packet and a mustard yeah, packet. They, yeah, some of them would. Yeah. So, but they started with processed cheese and crackers and meat. And it was the, you know, and, and he really dives into the whole thing about cheese, how much we put cheese on everything now. Because because the the reason we put cheese on things is because we have a surplus of milk because had. we subsidize the dairy farmers. Well, and, and we had government cheese for a while where the government yes. was buying cheese and <laughs> And it apparently was a there are for caves. There, there are caves that are full, full of cheese somewhere. Yeah. Now I, I, I was I watched a special on this ironically like two weeks ago, like a YouTube special, and a lot of that surplus has been handed out and now is 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 not there. But yes, the subsidies but we, the there. The cheese and, industry is gigantic. Oh, now. it's monstrous. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, the other thing I think is interesting is, and I keep coming back to this. World War II changed everything in America, everything about how we do things, everything how our economy worked globally. And um, it also introduced people to foods they've never had before. Mm -hmm. And it gave people this idea for a diet, and I want this. And as crazy as this sounds, because if you were to tell an Italian this, they would kill you, Chef Boyardee gave America a taste for Italian food, right? That nasty Chef Boyardee stuff that I crave whenever I'm stressed out, that you pour the spaghetti and meatballs with that bad sauce. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah, well, but that, but if you go up to an Italian and tell them that that's spaghetti and meatballs, they will probably mm-hmm. stab you with a fork, right? Um, that gave America an idea that was different than the home-cooked meal, right? And then I remember growing up, and Daniel, you're probably too young to remember this, the foil bottom and foil covered TV dinner. That was yeah, dying. Man. That was dying. That was a 60s and a 70s and early 80s thing. And then they went to microwavable TV dinners, but they used to have to be cooked right. in, the, in the oven. Um, and so, like, these quick type foods, I mean, that's what's driven my life. And between being a single dad and all this, it's like, I don't have time. And I, you've joked well, with and me, then, Daniel, like, and then oh, more, you're that was to cook. supplement the, 
that was to supplement the removal of the second parent from the home. Mm-hmm. You know, once once we once we moved to two income households, you didn't have time to cook a meal. Yeah, you had to do it quick, and so then we get we. That's where you get shake and bake and 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 all those sort of beginning Hamburger of the things where yeah yeah where we're like, well, you've got a, a good meat. And I'll just throw all this other garbage in there with it, and then you'll have a meal. And so, and then what happened is, and I'm sure at the beginning, Hamburger Helper was probably not that bad for you. It, it was probably bad. a bunch, you know, that was also probably when you had to add your own milk and mm-hmm. you know, and you had to add a couple things to it. And, and now you still do. it's just dumping it. <clears throat> You some still of them. Do Sometimes some you can just dump it in a box and add water, and then you get pancakes. Yes. Like you know, yeah. Um, or and and again, and we also get to this. Okay, so what's good and what's not? I mean, if we dehydrate certain foods, that's not necessarily bad, right? But we got to look at the we got to look at the ingredient list and see what all's. In there. Yeah, and 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 we're. Sorry, Go ahead. The, I was going to say the thing about the ingredients list is not just what it's what's on the label, so. The, like all mm-hmm. the dough conditioners, um, all those all those guys are in the flour. But as they as long as they list flour in the ingredients, you don't know that it has all that stuff mm-hmm. in it. So, you know, all these popular sub chains that have all like four of them, I think. Well, I, I probably can't say it, but four of them in one of the major ones. Mm-hmm. How, why do you need that much to puff your bread up? Because you're eating that. You're thinking, oh, my mm-hmm. gut is bloated. Because I just had all this bread. I got to go to gluten-free bread or whatever. When all you have to do is not eat that bread because it has a yoga mat in it. So it's yeah. like. Yeah. It's like you know, the whole gluten know. allergy thing. Nobody yeah. had it. I, now, I'm not to, say, not to say someone's not allergic to gluten. But because I'm sure yeah. there are people who are. But this wasn't a thing for most of my life. Right. Well, I, exactly. I still I'm still on the idea that a lot of these allergies like. Peanuts and melons and a lot of these things that are popping up out of nowhere. I, I heard someone talking about the idea that our immune systems are in overdrive because we're not dealing with any of the other things that our bodies used to have to deal with. You know, the crap was that in the water, the things that were in the food that you ate. Like it, we're, we've moved from the dark ages and even before then when it was, you know, when everything was everything so clean now, all that's left mm-hmm. is. Like, oh, you know, when you used to eat a peanut, you would get, like, itchy? Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. Now your face expands. And, and or you, you die. Because there's, yeah, yeah, because there's nothing left <laughs> to be To be quite to serious, because I, I, I used to have a coworker who passed away a couple of years ago, and it wasn't not from Not from that. <laughs> but if you brought peanuts anywhere within 50 yeah. yards of her, she knew, and... Yeah. She would freak out because she had that lethal level of, of the peanut allergy. Yeah, so it's a thing for sure. And but like it was said, never this this crazy. Well, and that's also because there's a lot more people. But the oh gosh, what were you saying? You were just saying about the the bread. Oh, I was gonna tell you about like if you're in Europe or whatever, you go and buy your <laughs> bread for the day. You come home, <laughs> you eat it. If you don't, it's stale and you can't use it. Yeah, and we've got bread in the grocery stores that'll stay there for months. I don't even my, know how long. My favorite example is somebody did like the time lapse photo of the McDonald's hamburger that didn't rot for five years. Yes. Well, there is apparently a McDonald's hamburger in a Tupperware from something like the '80s. 
that still is no. Somebody like, just set one out and started. And, well, no, one, I know, but like somebody put one in the Tupperware in and the closed woods. it up, and it's you know that's telling right there. <laughs> Wildlife wouldn't touch it, and it didn't rot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have stopped going to most fast food places. I will go to a couple of them, but I specifically McDonald's. I stopped at one the other day. It's not, I don't think it's that. I think it's whatever they put in their meat to preserve it. I got so (laughs) sick for four, it felt like food poisoning for four or five days with all the the stuff that came from food poisoning. And I thought maybe I just got a bad burger, right? Because that could happen. And then like four or five months later, I ate another one of the burgers and I got that sick again. And so I will not... There's a couple of things I can eat there off their breakfast menu, but any of their other stuff I won't touch at all. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, well, it's, it, that's how you have to wonder how all these things. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Dan. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's how all your reactions to things are how I've discovered everything that I found is because I've eaten it and I'm so sensitive to all that crap that. I just, I would have these bad reactions and get so sick. And like you said, sometimes it was four and five days before it comes out of you. And Uh I started Googling the stuff, like the stuff they put in cheese now. So it doesn't, or not now, it's been there for a long time, but you have to shred your own cheese. And who has time for that? Unless you go to Uh Whole Foods and who has money for that? It's like, can I just get some cheese? Yeah, the stuff that they powder the shredded cheese with is like, it's it's not holding agent. Yeah, but it's it's some sort of weird like they yeah they they're putting a thing on your cheese so it doesn't clump either. It keeps it I'll from give, sticking. I'll together. give you another so, example of. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say go in ahead. your gut the way that that it's called natamycin when you consume it the way that it works in your gut over a period of time and all these processes that happen is it promotes candida, which is yeast, which also promotes. I'm sure you have wives. You know all the things that mm-hmm. can cause. It can cause depression. <laughs> it can cause F tons of stuff and all all you're doing is eating cheese from the store and now you have all these problems well it's margarine is is a is a like an oil byproduct that they 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 were trying to use it to fatten up turkeys but it kept killing the turkeys so they gave it to people instead because we we have enough weight to not kill not kill us yeah to not kill Um, us when we eat it and it's like and that was that was the healthy thing and, and it's like one or two chemicals away from something you can put in your gas tank or, yeah, or run yeah. oil That's through your all car. all this stuff is. And yeah. like, um, if you're going to eat something, the, the real thing is the best way to go, you know, like real butter. I know it's fattening, but it's better for you than putting the stuff turkeys can, can, can die from. It's well, like, and how often to... have they gone back and forth on cholesterol and fats and this and that? There's no – I mean the science behind it is constantly changing. So it's like right. watching a ping pong <clears throat> ping pong ball game. I want to give you an example, and Daniel, I think I've told you this. Several years ago, both my parents were diagnosed with very high cholesterol, and that was about the time we did our last big fishing trip. And when I say fishing trip, we 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 go for two weeks, and we don't like sit there with a rod and reel. We run trot lines, and we'd pull catfish. And in twelve days, we pulled in eight hundred pounds of packed filleted catfish and then we froze it so they ate the catfish and we also stopped buying beef because we hunt my dad is part of a game management program so we have freezers full of venison 
So they started eating the catfish, and they started eating the venison. And that's all the meat that they ate for like three years. And their cholesterol dropped by three quarters. Um, And I don't buy beef anymore. I kill deer every year. I kill at least one deer and put it in the freezer. And that's my that's my red meat. Um, still buy we, poultry. We I still buy beef, that kind of stuff. But we get our beef from from a like a place. Like a, we get a, a big order. Um, like a like an, you know, yeah, and then we actually well, got some elk this year that was that was good too. I wanted to comment on something you said before about the back and forth and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things that that keep happening with the like. Cholesterol is good and cholesterol is bad and carbs are good and carbs are bad and sugar this and sugar. I think yeah. part of the problem is we've got we've got two things going on. One is we need to understand how the system of the body works. And two, we need to understand that everybody's different because some people need to be vegan. That's what their body needs. They need they need they don't need all that other stuff. And some people need to be in on a carnivore diet and they need to be eating basically just meat and maybe some vegetables and some you know fruit and stuff and 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 two people can can both eat completely differently and both be the healthiest way that they can eat for their body type and i think we we're trying to put everybody under one in thing same, yeah you're absolutely and so right. what happens is we put all exercise yeah yeah um yeah absolutely i'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought Dan. no that's where i was no, that's, done that's good uh it's it, it, in and the less process we can get, the better, right? Yes. Um, the and we run into a couple of problems, and as a country, this is this is a problem. We're throwing away tons of food uneaten every year, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> most of it's probably crap food, but some of it's not. Um, getting good. Fresh vegetables. We're lucky. We're in Texas and we have HEB, which is one of the better mm-hmm. grocery stores about trying to get, you know, a farm to, to fresh. <clears throat> but, you know, it, it's Daniel, you're talking about buying from a butcher. I've got people in my family in the cattle industry, and I know all the stuff we shoot those cows up with to fatten them mm-hmm. up and feed mm-hmm. them up and the hormones and Half of it's medication to make sure they don't get sick. Other stuff it is to get them fat and fed. And so it, some, if you knew what cattle ate when there was a drought, people wouldn't buy beef. Does anybody, do any of y'all know what, what the backup food when we can't get hay and we can't get corn is? I'm, I'm afraid to know. I think <laughs> I know, but I'm not going to guess. It's chicken litter. Else? It's yeah. dried chicken litter. And that sounds disgusting, but a chicken only processes like 12 to 20 percent or somewhere in there of, of the corn and stuff that it takes in. And, of course, they're not scooping it up wet, right? It goes through a drying process and all that. But I have dumped hundreds of pounds of dried chicken litter into cattle troughs mm-hmm. that the cows then ate, and then we sent those cows off to market, you yeah. know. And the cow's not designed to be eating chicken litter. Its body's not designed to do that. It yeah. should be eating grasses and other things like that. Grass and hay. This is why we need Joel Salatin and we need, you know, regenerative farming and get back to the idea mm-hmm. of mono of, of getting away from monocropping. Mm-hmm. And but we've or, got this idea that that the that the by by only eating vegetables, I'm saving 
saving, you know, lives of animals. And it's just like some of them, but not all of them. Like <laughs> it depends on which ones you want to save. Like if you're not going to eat the cow, but you're going to kill the bunny and the gopher and all the bugs and the things and the, uh, all the birds that get caught up in the combine things. And, you know, you're killing a lot of other animals. So, you know, it's that it's that well, um, that billboard even... with the how cute are you going to eat the on the timeline? And I'm like, yeah. well, all the way up to the dog. I'm there. Like, and even planting the plants, you're you're disrupting yes. the earth. And there's things that live there, skunks and mm-hmm. and you know everything. Yeah. Like you said, bunnies. It's like everything. It's it's a it's a food chain. <laughs> yeah, there's there's and also nature is metal. <laughs> there, there's also a much better way for us to agro farm. <clears throat> Disney proved this. Decades ago, I don't know if either of y'all have been through the the exhibit in Disney World. Disney, for all of its parks in Florida, grows all of its vegetables in like a two-acre spot inside, and they provide all their own vegetables. Isn't it hydroponic? It's it's all hydroponic, advanced hydroponic research, and it's in Epcot, and it's amazing to, to tour it. Some of the vegetables don't even get planted. They're on a conveyor that go through like a misting system that give them the minerals and stuff they need. And because they're hung, like the zucchinis and stuff actually grow bigger and longer. They are able to do something like lettuce, something as simple as lettuce, which takes acreage of farm, right? Acres and acres and acres of farm. Well, they planted each individual head of lettuce in its own small pot and built it on this big triangle system and in like something the size of an end zone on a football field, they've got the equivalent of like 50 acres of lettuce growing because they're, they're going up and they're changing the spacing. And now we could argue whether those vegetables are better or good or what, but they're feeding hundreds of thousands of people in like, it's like three to five no acres, space. you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which completely So it can changes. be done. Yes. So why aren't we doing it is the be- question. Because mm-hmm. it's not profitable. Exactly. It's not profitable for us to buy. For, the, it's, it's, for everything. For the medical industry, it's not profitable. For the, for the whole food industry, economic system. It would put, let me just put it this way. It would put John Deere out of business. Oh, yeah. Wow. Think about that. Just, just, that's a thought. And, and, you know, it would put, yeah. it would put your mega tractors out of business. The other thing it would do, and, and this is getting to be less of a deal because big agrocorp is a thing, would put all your small farmers out of business, right? Now, I think there's a market for small farms and I think people want to get back to it. But the other thing we have to blame for this is our HOAs. I can't, well, I can because I live in a place without an HOA, but in my old place that I lived in Austin, when I lived there in the Brushy Creek area, I could not convert my front yard into a garden. I could not plant my own, because there's that garden, that home gardening movement, if you've got the time, which would be great, grow some of your own stuff. But like the the HOA I used to be in was so strict that if you put out put if you were to put out potted tomato plants they'd fine you if it was in the front. I believe it. You know, um, whereas if everybody in America, 
if everybody in America grew like five vegetables, we could offset a massive amount of this stuff. And it doesn't take a yeah. lot of space. Well, I mean, imagine if everyone in your neighborhood took a, you know, a square plot of their front yard and pick grew a vegetable. So I'll grow lettuce and you grow green beans and then people just shared and you'd have mm-hmm. so much extra stuff, but we don't want to do that for some reason. Well, one, we nobody like, who has the time. Kind yeah, of like the olden days when you used to bring your stuff down to the market and you'd mm-hmm. go down there and buy all the stuff like a farmer's market. And then right. they got away from that because they went, hey, I can make money on that. I'll open my own market. And those people, I'll, you know, see how it goes. Well, and, and, and another yeah. thing to think about is up until, again, until World War II, roughly, mm-hmm. community markets or community gardens were a thing, right? Yeah. Backyard mm-hmm. gardens were a thing. Most people planted something and then they canned it. And sealed, you know, sealed it and did that whole, that whole, the candy well, I mean, lost art. Everybody, Victory Gardens was a big thing in World War II. And I, and I wonder if what so happened, here, but it, it happened, it did happen here as well. I mean, I, it was, there was a push for that in, yeah. in the U.S. as well. But I wonder if when World War II ended, if it was more of like a, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it just, or and I it don't just have stopped. To. I don't or have I to, don't so have now to. I can go to the, Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the the rise of the supermarket, as opposed to the market, right? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Take away uh, from the locals, make it a big chain. You know, like with with all the even like restaurants. You take mm-hmm. a restaurant like Chick Fil A that used to be just in the mall back in the yeah. old days. Now, I mean, look at them. The same same with markets. Used to be little small farmers markets from in your little town that you knew everybody in. You all went to the same church. You went to your market. You got your food. You knew where it was coming from. Who grew it? All that stuff. No one. I mean, you did have diseases and people were sick, of course, for other reasons. But nowadays, there's so much stuff in your food. It's not really even considered food. And you got to just well, get think back I th- to eating what you know is clean. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of that because of the shift to the supermarket. Because you're going from serving, you know, I need 20 heads of lettuce for the 20 families in my area. Now I've got to buy 700 heads of lettuce and hope I sell them all before they go bad because I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I, you know, once you get into scale, it starts to get different. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I can see where the supermarket would be pushing for. We need more and more things that we can buy, shelf stable stuff. I can buy it and I can leave it on the shelf and I don't, I'm not going to lose money when it goes bad. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see a move back to more holistic foods, right? At least people are wanting it, um, which is why, like, the prepackaged box meals that advertise that kind of thing are becoming more and more popular. And if you can afford it, I don't know how people can. But I'll give you a specific example. And, Daniel, I th- I've given you some of these. You know, my parents decided to start keeping, like, a half a dozen chickens in the backyard. And the rise of, like, keeping chickens to get your own fresh eggs the quality and taste of that egg oh, compared yeah. to a store-bought egg, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. they don't look the same. They're not the same color. They don't taste anything the same. Nope. And eggs are a huge part of my diet now, or they should be. I'm, I'm moving back to it. We we went through a phase where we lost a bunch of chickens for a variety of reasons, and so we've had to get them back to, to laying again. They were they were laying the like little dime-sized eggs for, for a little while, you know. Um, but there have been laws passed, like in Texas, 
where an HOA can't tell you you can't have chickens anymore, right? Oh, yeah. They can tell you you can't have a rooster, which we all That's understand. That's fair. <laughs> um, and they can tell you you have to keep them in the backyard. But, you know, now if you've got – and they don't take much space. And chickens are pretty self-sufficient. And as long as you yeah. don't have, like, neighborhood cats r- running around, then you're probably okay. If you have cats, then you're going to want to put your chickens up at night because pound for pound – the domestic cat is the most prolific hunting animal on the planet. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but, hey, getting a couple of chickens, and I, let me tell you, the feed for the chicken is not much more than what it costs to buy the eggs, especially with if you've seen egg prices lately. They're going oh, down. Yeah. Are they? Are they? Well, They're starting to go back down again, yeah. Well, they had to kill, like, a whole bunch of chickens. That's what they happened. Had, they like, had they to were... kill roughly half the poultry in the U.S. because of the mm-hmm. Yeah, some, there was something diseases. going through. Which, again, that's a problem because we're keeping thousands and thousands of chickens together in a, in a room. And if we were right. doing things like, you know, where you had – you know, you got 40, 50 chickens and they're out in there, you know, like Salatin does. He's got them in little sections and he moves them yeah. around and he keeps them isolated and they're not they're not a problem. You know, you don't have to we, worry about that kind of stuff. We, we haven't even talked about the eugenics of of raising animals yet. Okay. Like the, the modern turkey, the modern farm oh, turkey yeah. has to be inseminated artificially because the turkey breasts are so big they can't mate. They can't have I sex. I did not know that. Yes. And all you have to do is go look at a normal turkey out in the wild. Yeah. They don't have these oh, yeah, monstrous breasts, anything. you know. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the breasts on farm turkeys are so large now, they can't physically get close enough together to have sex. So that means we shouldn't be using them anymore. We've broken the turkey. We, we have. Well, and how, how much dark meat's on a modern turkey or on a modern chicken? Used to be like three quarters dark meat, and mm. you know, I mean, and and I, we have turkey on my parents' place. We watch them. We don't hunt them because they're they're we like having them out there. It's it, they just need to watch, but they're an eighth to a third of the size of a farm raised turkey, mm-hmm. and. I also have turkeys out. We we live on a farm, so it's we got turkeys and everything out here. It's so it's a different it's a different way of life when you see how things work. Like mm-hmm. you're talking about the cattle and yes. how they're how they how they run, how they work, um, and how it all goes is just so different. And then when you understand all the things in the food and you see it being, you know, produced out here and you make your own, it's just you see how, how bad it all is and you're and you just wonder. So it's well, like I said, you just need to start eating clean. Like if you think it's bad for you, it probably is. Your diet, I know your drinks are good, but start getting hooked on like seltzer water. I mean, it has they had those good flavored ones. Yeah, I, those are so much better. Again, like I said, this is a stress drink for me, right? This is what I go to when I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. And and there have been points where I have been like, look, I'm just going to drink water. And if I can get on a water kick and go for three or four months. I feel so much better, and I know I feel better, but it's the it's the lack of discipline. It's the lack of that that, that is kicking yeah. in. It's easy uh, to, to do that. It's easy to just go to, to the comfort zone. <laughs> My, Michael Moss gets in – on his other book, Hooked, he gets into the – he talks a lot about – he actually goes into great detail in that system about how your tongue and your esophagus and your stomach are actually one organ system. 
And so that the foods that touch your tongue actually cause your stomach to do different things. Mm -hmm. And so what he gets into in that is that, that the worst thing that you can, because go through the whole book and I'm waiting for him to get to the end and go like, and here's what the answer is. And he gets to the end and goes, there's no answer. Everybody's different. But the one thing I can tell you is don't drink calories. Right. Yes. Period. Like if, if you're, if he's juice, soda, you know, frappuccinos, anything that you're drinking that's full of sugar and calories, the moment it hits your tongue, it tells your stomach, sugar's coming, food's coming, get ready, there's a thing. And then the liquid gets there and your stomach goes, what the hell is this? This is not what you told me was coming. And then that's why all of a sudden, now I'm hungry and I need food. Is because your, your stomach is going, I've got all these enzymes ready to process this and there's nothing here. So... It's yeah. triggering you to want more stuff. And, and then I look at some of these people who we we say are like health nuts or, and gym rats and stuff. And so much of their diet is powdered stuff mixed with water, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. And like the, the whey protein and how to get the proteins in and that kind of stuff. And right now I'm doing an experiment because my sugar went up a little bit. And, I, and to be fair... I got sick in February. I felt like crap, and so I've been eating really bad, which is part of why my sugars are up. I also haven't been exercising. I've been exercising regularly since I caught COVID, and I need to get back into that. But I picked up some diabetic-specific like breakfast drinks, and they're very small. They're like eight ounces, and they're super high protein. They don't really have sugar in them, but like – They've got some real dark chocolate mixed in, and that's where the sugars come from. And and so, and it's not a lot, just enough to give it like a flavor. And so I've been trying that. I'm going to try that and see if it helps. But I know what I really need to go back to is like just two fr two scrambled eggs or two boiled yeah. eggs in the morning, and, and a cup of coffee, protein, and not even that. I don't. I've gotten away from. I've gotten away from caffeine. Yeah. I really have. It's good. Oh, have Coffee you? is caffeine is actually not a not bad for you if you if you handle it properly. Yeah, um, in high you don't doses drink it, too. it is, but not minimal. Like a cup a day, you're fine. Well, yeah, I've shifted and to you hot, also I've need to, to wait. Tea. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've shifted to like hot teas, like a green tea or an orange tea or something like that, um, as opposed to coffee. And I'll still have the occasional cup, but once I got off coffee, I've noticed I can't really drink more than one cup. Yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't really be drinking that much coffee every day. Um, uh, uh, I can't Matt Matthew Walsh. That's not right. It's Matthew. No, something with he a does w. the. Yeah, it's the, not that Matt. It's a different Matt. But he talks a lot about sleep. He talks about how um, the half how long the half life of coffee is, um, and that if you're drinking a cup of coffee in the any time after like twelve o'clock you still have essentially a half a cup of coffee in you when you're trying to go to sleep at night. Like yeah. that's, that's basically where you're at caffeine wise. So he's, he says, let it go. Huberman talked about how you need to wait an hour to an hour and a half to let the adenosine drain out of your system. That takes care of the afternoon sleep, uh, the sleepiness, but I mean, it's not terrible for you, but they say the best thing for you in the morning is eight to 16 ounces of cold water. Mm -hmm. um, it just fires everything up in your system. Flushes you out, and it flushes you out. Again. Yeah, you know, it's and funny you jump about the, that. by putting the cold in by putting cold water in you. You're it's the same thing as the with the cold shower thing in the morning. Like it, it gets your it makes your system go. 
that's cold. I need to warm up, and it makes your sort of it makes your engine turn on. It's so for shooting for for a spark. Mm-hmm. 190,000 years, the first thing we did was get up and walk over to the water source and drink as much cold water as, mm-hmm. we, could as we could to fill up our stomach mm-hmm. until we found something to eat. I wonder why yeah. drinking cold water is good for us. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and looking at the sun in the morning, too. <clears throat> That's the other one. Huberman talks about that all the time. He says the most important thing that you can do in the morning is about 20 minutes of direct sunlight into your eyes to take off your sunglasses. 20 Make minutes it, of direct like sunlight going right here. Yeah. He says that, that every, almost every cell in your body has a, a some sort of photo res- thing that essentially all the cells in your body based on the sunlight hitting your eyes, it just turns, it, they have a, they're all like, it's morning. And they all sort of turn on at the same time. And they're not, they're not, you're not out of sync. I think that was the idea is that if you don't get that sunlight early in the morning, that like one system turns on and then the next one turns on later and your and your body's sort of all out of out of sync the whole day. And then we need the vitamin D because, you know, you and I both Mm -hmm. work from home and there are days where especially in the wintertime where I'm not outside when the sun's out. Right. Mm. So I started taking vitamin D and vitamin B. And that has been one of the most world-changing things in my life. Nothing special, no crazy multivitamins, uh, just the, the super super B complex. And to me, that's better than coffee as far as waking mm-hmm. me up. But, you know, I take two of the 5,000 AUIU or whatever it is. IU, D's, yeah. The, yeah, five, two of the 5,000 5, IU, IU. The liquid gel vitamin Ds. And, man, I feel so much better. Yeah. My skin is healthier. My energy level's better. I'm sleeping better, and and I'm not going to be able to get outside most days, yeah. even if I start driving back into work three days a week, which I'm probably going to be starting to do soon. Statistically, but, they're saying that that most Americans are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we should all. And coincidentally, vitamin D deficiency is linked to catching COVID and having really bad re- reactions to it. So why we're not pushing vitamin D, who knows? But you should take it. Vitamin D but is really also, good for you. Like people like me, redheads, we make our own because we have fair skin, so we can't go out in the sun that much. So right. that's again, it's a own use your own body to judge what you need and what makes you feel better. And you use it as a guide, yeah, vitamin D is good. But if if you start to feel bad because you started taking it, well then stop taking it and find something right. else, you know? It's yeah. like everybody's different, but the... I don't know what I was going to say after that. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Every, everybody, everybody is different. And, and it's now just, we're finding our, our a... genetic makeups are different and um, yeah. at, at a much deeper level than we thought. Uh, I don't know if, if Daniel's told you this, but like I'm Neanderthal, right? I'm hybrid. I fall in that group. I did the, I did the genetic test and I have more Neanderthal DNA than 95% of the people who did it in the 23andMe, which is just amazing. Now, it's and, only like wow. 3%. It's between it's... 3 and 4% of my yeah. DNA. Um, and it, we found out, Leslie, um, your wife, is is Neanderthal. It was and like I've got it coming two. from both sides. Yeah. Um, wow. But here's what's really interesting. She's only two or three of the things smaller than I am or less than what I have, and that drops her down into like a forty-five percent. Yeah, 
it's know. there's they've so, only identified so many markers yeah but um, something as simple as this the hitchhiker's thumb if you can do this you have neanderthal dna this is a neanderthal trait this People is also who, a this is a this is a this is yes. hitchhiker's thumb this, this is, is a dominant trait. this is this is a dominant genetic trait it runs in our family i i remember this from middle school i figured that we had to do this a project mm-hmm. hitchhiker's thumb runs in our family which means we've got we've got which means it's from that line they, from the they also line. think that redheads come from neanderthal because yeah. they found mm-hmm. the redhead gene in neanderthals spread across the world not just in the northern reaches where yeah. homo sapiens tend to develop it over time so and that was a fascinating the, test. and we're all completely off food and i'm going to jump back to it but all the redheads <laughs> well, all the giants were redheads too like yeah. let's just but throw no, that no, out there what all, all i meant by that is oh our God. genetic makeups are more complicated than we thought we were yes and right. Well, I was going to say, know, if you have Neanderthal, it's it's no wonder why your family does hunting and, you know, eats eats everything that you make, your chickens and your everything on your land. That's hunting. Yeah. I think that's baked into everybody, though. I, I was going to say, we've been, yes. I'm a good old-fashioned, good old boy Texas redneck, okay? That's that's where that comes from. Um, but I, <laughs> my, family, my family kept those traditions going. Right. A long time. But see, like and... I, I'm from Texas too, but I don't have that. I mean, I do now because we live out here. But before that, I was a city girl, and I had no hunter gatherer or anything. And so that's that's our that's that's actually I can tell you what that's our grandfather's fault because <laughs> well he yeah. uh, my, my dad he went hunting one time, did not like it at all, was complete, and then just never did that again, and so then. It didn't get passed it down to our parents, on. and it didn't. That's how it ended. Yeah, so. and, and whereas my family had one foot in the city, and one on both sides, both sides, one foot in the city and one foot in the ranch. And so, you know, my dad's side of the family had people in the cattle industry. Uh, my mom's side of the family did, and every other weekend, I mean, I grew up in Houston. I grew up in the suburbs. You know, I'm from Cyprus, right? Um, but every other weekend and like half the summer, I was on a cattle ranch running cattle and, and helping out and, cool. and doing that kind of stuff. And no, we didn't use horses. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. So I couldn't ride a horse to save my life. But <laughs> hunt, hunting's, hunting, fishing, those were just things we did. And everybody in the family did. And that's where we gathered. Our, our, our vacations were around a creek or a river yeah. or – you know, we would well, go and, up over Thanksgiving and we would hunt. So, and that's what we've lost. We've lost that connection to our food in that way. Like it used to be. I mean, like so. Leslie's family does this. Her 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 family. They are big hunters, and so we'll get invited to come help. Where they're making sausage, you know, and it's it's all day. The whole family gets together and they make six hundred pounds of sausage. You know, like it's just what they do. And they do it once a year, and you get together, and then when you leave, you get to take a little bit with you. You know, like you go and help, and, and you, you get freeze some. It. But and like, you eat on it all year. And, but, yeah. but you also then, you were part of that process. We've talked yeah. about this before. The first time I went hunting, yeah, tell that was story. a profound experience for me. Here. Well, so I, I it was not something I'd ever done before, and so you took me out, and we, we went, and I shot a deer. <gasps> It I was, didn't know Bill it was, was the hunter. Yes, taker. Bill is the impetus of this of this <laughs> okay, thing. You were actually and sitting so with my dad. My dad I was took, sitting with your yeah, dad. Yeah. And we shot the deer. 
we went and got it. We we took it back. We 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 uh, dressed it down. We cut it all. We cut it all up, and then I took it home. And I we didn't really process it down any more than we quartered it, like it out. Big, I think big, we, we quartered it out. Yeah, and then I took it home and very badly processed it down farther, and then cooked it up and we ate it and i had sort of this this sort of profound moment the first time i ate something like that which was like oh i did all of this i shot it and cooked it and cut and you know i did the whole thing and now i eat it and you're like i understand now like Mm -hmm. you you get to see the whole the whole circle and you go okay and and i don't think i was ever you know food doesn't meat doesn't come from the supermarket i i always understood like the meat comes from the cow. You have to kill the cow to get the food. But there are people who, who don't have that. Yeah, there are, people in de- there are people in denial. I used to have a manager at work who said, don't mm-hmm. tell me how it happens. It grows on a beef tree in styrofoam packets. <laughs> yeah. And don't tell I me was... otherwise or I won't be able to eat it. And I'll, I'll hate you if you ever do that to me. Because for people I who don't know, very car- the way they kill really cattle. I was clear with my kids early on of like, you know we're gonna have a hamburger that's a cow like so, you know i want you yeah. to understand what that is so that you yeah. can, you know and if you decide i don't want to do that spectacular that's that is your decision to decide what you are and aren't going to eat but you don't you don't get to lie to yourself about what it is so that you get exactly. to eat it like that's and, we're not going to play that game <laughs> and, and yeah. i'm not beating up on my family because they still do as much as they can free-range cattle you know uh or they did it might it my grandfather's the one. My grandparents are the ones who ran cattle, and they're not doing it anymore. Uh, and I have a my cousin's husband is still running some, but I don't know exactly. I'm not involved with the process. But the way the cattle industry generally works, and I'm not a big fan of it, which is one of the reasons I hunt, so I don't have to buy beef. Or if I buy beef, I go buy a cow from somebody I know where the cow is. I've seen the cow before it died. I've seen the cow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cattle industry takes cattle and then they put them in what they call a feed lot, and it is inhumane. We have one of those up here, and they sho- shove as many of them as they can in and just shove food. and And the methane produced from that can be so bad that there have been cars that have caused explosions off of the the methane clouds that have come off of feed lots. Right? Uh, that's not an urban myth. It's actually happened. And then the cattle get shipped to places like Chicago or Fort Worth or wherever the slaughterhouses are, and they're put on a conveyor belt, and they're run through the slaughterhouse, and they have a nail gun set up. Don't get, and when they don't get, get to get that specific. part. No, 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 don't get specific. But don't get specific. that's how it's done. Yes. That's how it's done. It is, it is a manufacturing-style slaughterhouse. Yes. It's not like it used to be. Like, if you watch... If you watch an old cowboy show about a slaughterhouse where they, they go in and they, they cut the cow's throat and it bleeds out and it dies, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. That's more humane than this whole industrial thing they have going on. Or what they do with, like, chickens in the chicken houses where they oh, yeah. cut their beaks off so they don't peck at each other because they're so crowded in. This super agro-farming thing just makes me angry. And I'm a hunter, and I come from a farming and ranching family, and it's this big megacorp stuff. It's not good. At no level is it good. And, the, and it's hard to find an alternative to that. 
And it's like expensive it's not, if you do. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, if you if you want to get away from that, like I find this abhorrent. I don't want to support this. How do I do that? You really can't. Like, we, there's not the, a good the, option. The last person that we had who leased our um, leased our property, and they ran cattle on it. They had an entire business that was based around just grass fed beef, which tastes very mm-hmm. different. And it was just mm-hmm. grass fed. It was out on that, and he would slaughter the cow and take it down to the butcher. And that's not an easy thing. Like Daniel, you, no. we we processed out. The deer. The deer was less than 150 pounds. It's not hard to do. It's a lot harder to do with a 3,000-pound animal, right? You need equipment to do that, heavy equipment to do that. Um, But it can be done. He would sell his beef, and it had some kind of, like, fast mail order thing. I don't know exactly how it worked with, like, the freezing and everything. But people who paid him for his beef were paying... Five to eight times the going rate per pound right? for that beef yeah. because that's a, that was it, it may not be as niche a market as it was. This was 12, 14, 15 years ago. Um, but that's your alternative because yeah. that guy had to find a place to lease that had enough water, had enough grass. That he didn't have to bring in additional food for, and and those places are drying up. So we when we just uh, bought built a place out here on our farm, we lease cattle, so we have them out here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're they're on our side probably six months. On um, the the guy lives right next to us with his land and his cattle, and they go back over there you know during the winter and eat their hay that he grew while they were over here, mm-hmm. and so. Um, the first time he harvested some of them and he brought us one and I don't eat meat. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't eat it because I think it's wrong. I just don't like it. It doesn't taste good to me. Fair enough. So, but my husband, you know, cooked a steak and was amazed at the taste. I mean, he's had fresh beef before, but it just was right here in our front yard and now he's eating it. And it's just, the difference is amazing. Yeah, and there it, it's it, there's nowadays you got to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, and you can you and can still get it. It's you can expensive. you can still get it. You just have to you you, you have pay. to be one like, willing to find it and two be able to afford yeah. it because it's not. It's, it's not just like it shouldn't be like that. If you want the best burger in Texas, you go to Belton to this little place called Crow Burgers that Daniel has been to, and they get all their the beef locally sourced. Had. And the the shop is a like a ten by twenty shack with a window, mm-hmm. and there you eat in your car. Or there's a couple of picnic tables outside. And the same family's owned it for eighty years, and they've got the same skillet that they've had forever that has been mm-hmm. curing for eighty years as like one of these big cast iron giant skillet things. And wow. they their bread doesn't. I can go there and eat their burger, and it doesn't make me sick, except. For how much pepper they put on it, because it's a good Texas burger, and it's soaked in black pepper. It's right? so good. But, but Daniel didn't wow. believe me that it was that good a burger until he had one, and then it was like the look on your there, face. There's there's something to be said for for good meat. I mean, it's the same. Mm-hmm. The first time I I had raw milk, where you're like, oh, this is what milk tastes like, and yeah. then you drink. 
the milk that you get from the store and you realize that it's full of sugar. Yeah, and yep. see, I'm because trying most to get people my... don't, Most people don't realize that they, they take – like so essentially what you, what you get in a gallon of milk is two gallons of milk worth of, of sugar. Mm-hmm. They take – they basically dehydrate the milk down and take the lactose, which is actually the sugar – and they put they put it back into the other gallon, so you get a, a, sh- a gallon of milk sugar and add it to the gallon that you're having, and so you get it's that's why it's so sweet now. Well, and and part of that is because we're also thinning it down, right? Most people don't mm-hmm. drink whole milk anymore, and I right. don't know if the whole milk is better from the store than the the other, but I'm trying to get my oldest off of it because he's addicted to milk. Irony is my youngest is allergic to milk. He's very allergic to like dairy in general. But my mm-hmm. oldest son will go through two to three gallons of milk in a seven-day period. Wow! I used to. I he used will to pour do that too. The giantest, biggest glass we have right before That's bed. Good, to isn't it? Take his medicine. <laughs> yeah, but he's. I'm worried about the sugar intake the same way I am with sodas. At some point, right? He's, he on, he's taking he a lot of milk, it. In. Yeah, it's it's it, but it's store-bought whole milk. It's not dairy because oh, in Texas. Okay. The only way you can buy raw milk is to go to a dairy and buy it yeah. there, and there's not one close. Do you do organic I, milk at least, or is it? Uh, I buy the cheapest one at HEB that's on the WIC program um, okay. or the assistance program because, you know, milk's not cheap. You no, know, it's not it's, it's, at all. It's, it costs more per gallon than gas does right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I saw gas oh, for crazy. like two seventy five, and the gallon of milk was two seventy nine. And then the other ones, if I went to the other brands, which uh, you know uh, oh, the other brands, five, three, six, seven three, four, a five. And you mentioned organic, and that's the other big <clears throat> lie that they don't. The term organic has no legal definition in America when it comes to the supermarket. No. They could put it on there, and it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. there's a there's a couple other ones like I think like cage free doesn't mean what you think it means and mm. like there's a couple of those and I'd have to look them up again that that don't cage mean what, free but, is just means that they're not they're still uh, confined they're just not in their own cage but they're yeah, still they're confined not in an there's cage I think yeah. oh I know it's and it's free range means yeah. they have access to an open space which means they're in a giant thing and there's like a little paddock with a little door well, that they can get out to to be fair to be fair to be fair um <laughs> if you know it you know it <clears throat> to be fair <laughs> when it says free range most of those animals need a place to go at night to 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 shore yes. up right but when um, you've got a, a fifty thousand square foot you, you Building, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Twenty square foot paddock. That's not, not free that's range. That's not free no. range. It's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the not other, like the other... cattle out there, right? That can come yes. into the barn when they want to, or chickens that are out all day, like in my parents' yard and and whatever. Yeah. yeah. That rolling around doing their we own put up at, at night. night. They go into yeah. the little house. The other one that's that's real tricky is real fruit juice. Um, oh, if you read juice. the the little, you know, that you get the little apple juice container and they say a hundred percent real fruit juice which is true but again it's the same as the milk what they don't tell you is that they they reduce the fruit down to the sugar and add that sugar to the fruit juice and so therefore 
It's a hundred percent fruit juice. We've just added a bunch of sugar to it that we're yeah. not mentioning. But it's no sugar added because it's still real fruit. Because it's still yeah, real. It's, because well, it's doesn't, it doesn't say no fruit. sugar added. It just says a hundred percent fruit yeah. juice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all you've got well, to do same... is buy orange juice and make your own. Yeah. And to taste the or, difference. Or you don't make juice. You eat the orange and you get all the fiber that's in it because that's what's good for you. Yeah. Which, when when you juice an orange and drink it, you're you're removing all the good stuff and just drinking the sugar water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, because what's good yeah, about right. the orange is – Yes, the juice and the sugar are good for you when you eat them with all the fiber and the, the stuff True. that's the in the orange with it. The way they all react together in your body. Right. Yeah. That's the yeah. same thing. When you when you put the sugar on your tongue, your stomach is going, orange. And then the juice shows up and it goes, where's all the fiber? Where's all and, the mm-hmm. stuff that I need to process? And you know what's fascinating about that is, is I, I used to have a sweet tooth, and I still kind of do. But I've had to find, since I'm diabetic other ways to do that without going overboard and so one of the things i've started doing because my youngest eats it like crazy um blue blueberries and blackberries and raspberries because heb is great and we have them pretty much year round and they're usually fairly local and fresh i just a little bowl and i've had to teach myself just a little bowl and then that's that's my treat that's that's my treat but it's whole berries Right, it's not berry flavored. This berry flavored. The other thing that I've had to yeah. do, and this has been a discipline thing. And my oldest son, I had to sit him down and explain to him why we were doing this. I still let them have ice cream occasionally. I still let them have those desserts. I make my 18 year old go go and scoop it out for my kids, and I don't buy anything I like. Right, I despise okay. mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's disgusting. <laughs> So that is the ice cream. Both boys like it. That is the ice cream that lives at my house. So, you know, because if I go, I mean, we're in Texas. We have Bluebell. The only ice cream that killed people and people were willing to pay $5,000 for a a gallon, right, when you couldn't get it. Um, I can't buy the double Dutch chocolate, which, again, the Bluebell ice cream is probably better than a lot of the other ones. But still, if it's here, I, I don't have the discipline to not eat it. Yeah. So I'm I'm having to try and do those things because it's, it's I can't tell an eight year old you can't ever have ice cream again, right? Well, That's... and to talk about the discipline, I, I saw this pop up on my so I got a YouTube ad. This was a while ago, and okay. it was not long after the New Year, and the ad was basically I don't remember which pizza company was it, but it was one that you it's one of the big ones, one of the big three, and it was basically like, did you think you were going to give up pizza for New Year's? <laughs> Why don't you just give it an order of pizza? And I was like, that is the most devious no. commercial I've ever seen. Like, yep. just give up on your weight loss goals and buy a pizza, you you, you fat person. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, so, yeah. again, you talk about the self-control. The companies know we have no self-control, and they're they're using that in their commercials. You yep. got no self-control. Just get a pizza. You'll be fine. Everyone's and, and, you doing know, it. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. And, and and I've had to do things like, you know, the things that I know I can do, right? And a lot of it is is adjusting how much I eat and getting used to eating less because I, I had trained myself for a while where, you know, I wasn't eating a lot. So I could kind of eat whatever I wanted, but it was just a small amount. 
Then I got mm-hmm. sick, and when I got sick, I started eating. Anyway, um, one of the things I've done with pizza, because it's such an easy meal for the kids, is the thin crust. Because I worked mm-hmm. for the particular pizza company, and I know what they put in the dough to make it, and I've done that. And I know their thin crust is exactly the same as their hand tossed or their thick crust. They're just putting less of it in there. Now, it's prepackaged flour, pre you know, pour in your water and all that, so I'm sure it's not great, right? As if I were to make pizza dough from like the raw flour that doesn't have all the junk in it. You can still do that, and and the quality of if you've got the time, the quality of the food is so much better. Like when my mom mm-hmm. takes the time to do her homemade rolls at like Thanksgiving, where we're using the the the, the yeast and we're putting it in with the like mm-hmm. more raw style flour, and and it's an all day thing just to make the rolls. Oh my God, they're to die for. I mean, it's a crazy thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. But the rolls are alive at that point. Like, technically, the yeast is a, is a thing. Like, you're actually, like, doing a thing with another organism. organism to create. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a weird sort of process that's happening there. But, like, when you do that, when you have this symbiotic relationship with the yeast and you do what you need, then you end up with this thing. And what we've done is gone, well, we don't want to do all of the hard stuff. So we're, we're just using gonna... chemistry instead of living things to eat now. Yes. 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 And we're meant to eat the living things. That's why they're here. <laughs> yes. That's why they were. That's the here. whole circle of life thing. I think uh, there was yes. a Disney movie about this. Yes. There's a, there's a book. Called, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. There's a book that I have, and I've done a little bit of it, um, uh, that it, it's it, – I'll have to go find it. It's like the wild edibles of Texas. Yes. And, and, Daniel, you were with me when we went on that walk with that guy who took us on a wild edible walk. Um, and some of those things are so amazingly delicious. There is a mm-hmm. small little uh, – I can't remember the name of the plant. It looks like a clover. It looks like a – or, you know, four-leaf clover, but that's not what it is. And it grows all over the place, and everybody thinks it's a weed. And it tastes like lemon, and it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever it grows, I pick it, and I throw it on my salads. And it's like eating lemon pepper. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and just going on a wild edible walk, and uh-huh. if you can learn some of that, like, the book's like 50 bucks. But if you use it, and I don't have the time to use it, and I don't have access to some of the places to use it, but if you can use that, it will offset its cost and give you foods that are much more rich in minerals, much more rich in vitamins, much more what you should be eating because you're literally picking them from the ground. What you have to imagine is pretend like that everything's gone, okay? Pretend like you you can't drive through Starbucks. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go anywhere. You've got to survive. That's what you should eat. That's all there is to it. So you drink water. Yeah. You drink milk from a cow. You you have to kill the cow. You just drank the milk from to eat him. You know, you got chickens. You find meat. You find squirrels or whatever it is. Just not skunks. And you know, squirrels are great. Squirrel, squirrels yeah. are great because they come with their own grease. There's so <laughs> much so fat true. and stuff on them. They, they are, and they're tree rats, right? But... <laughs> As far as, like, harvesting small animals, because everybody thinks if the end of the world they'll go kill deer or whatever, the people who are going to live are the ones who can hunt small game, 
right? That's yeah. that's oh, that yeah. that is that is the subsistence subsistence food in pre World War II America, which is why most people knew how to shoot a single shot twenty two, because you use single shot twenty twos to kill possums and raccoons and squirrels, and possum tastes good, and raccoon mm-hmm. tastes fine, and squirrels taste good, but squirrels have so much grease in them that you can basically throw anything else, and they fry. Like, if you... It'll fry itself. <laughs> they're they're filled with... The, this is terrible. They they're filled nuts. with nut oil. Yeah, they're, they're, they're full of nut with, oil. With all oh. the oil from all the, the nuts That's that what they, they eat. eat. Yeah. So if you got... think about it, they're they're marinated in peanut oil, like, before you even... Because that's all they're eating is, is walnuts that's and... Cool. and yeah. In fact, you need, so they, like... They taste nutty. They're really you, good. You need, you like, their one squirrel... Mm-hmm. You need like one squirrel for every three or four rabbits or you'll die because the rabbit doesn't have enough fat and oil in the meat to keep you alive. It will keep you alive short term, but not long term. You will actually starve to death. Just like there are certain in Europe, there's certain um, reindeer and things like that, that during certain times of the year, they have bled off so much stuff raising their offspring that you can starve to death, death on their meat. Because there's not enough of the fat. There's no, the other there's no caloric intake in the meat. At or that there's point. not enough. You like you're the... eating, but you're not getting any nourishment. Yeah. Well, there yeah. there comes a point, like in 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 the starvation process of the body, that that before you you die, essentially, that there's a point where your body, your the meat in your body has no real caloric value to it anymore. It's just, it's just sinew and stuff. It's and it so that's why you've got to you've got to mix your small game. Fish are great, right? Because fish eat bugs, and bugs are really yeah, good and high good. in protein. And so if you don't want to eat the bug, which I get, then eat the fish. Another thing that's great, snakes. Snakes are great. Mm-hmm. Super high. They're so in, good. Super high in caloric content. I, and, and I've done all of this stuff mm-hmm. because, again, I'm a redneck, right? Um and most people see a possum and they freak out. They'd never think to eat it. Possums yeah. are awesome. You know why? Because when it sees you, it's going to fall over and play dead. So you can walk up and grab it by the tail and hit it in the head with a stick and you have dinner. It doesn't even run away. <laughs> and they eat They eat bad. I mean, possums are actually Really good over. I don't. Bad I, I don't like to kill they... possums. We, I, we, I, I, to be fair, I did yeah. it as an experiment, but possums eat ticks. Yeah, possums are real good. Yeah, so, but what if you eat a possum that ate a tick that had Lyme disease? Doesn't do anything to I you. I think it would. I think when you cook it, you would take care of that. Well, that don't eat it raw. It doesn't <laughs> seem to be going through the possum, right? Um, it, it just yeah, doesn't don't, seem to be going through. It. Yeah, they don't get the disease. They just it, because I think isn't it a blood disease? It would have to it, go. Through it is. Their it blood. is a blood you disease. Would think that it's, it would pass through. Yeah. Well, and, and we don't. I think the cooking takes care of it. Yeah. yeah the cooking will probably. And and to be fair, if you if you kill wild game, cook it and cook it well, because you don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Like if I'm out hiking or camping or something, and I harvest food during the pro- appropriate season with the appropriate license, I'm going to just throw that out there. Um, even if it's fish, I cook it all, I, I cook it till it's slightly overcooked yeah. just to be safe. Right. Um, 
uh, unless I know where I, you know, if, it, if I'm fishing in the lake, I'm not worried about it. But if it's in a creek or something like that, you never know what it's gotten exposed to. And I'll give you an example. In, in Colleen, I was telling Daniel today, we just had a sewage spill and it went into one of the creeks. And so anything in that creek is now going to be contaminated for six weeks to nine months, depending on whatever dumped into it. You know, Where you got to go <laughs> in. Well, once it hits the lakes, right, it begins to disperse enough that the pollutant per square whatever of the water. I mean, there's enough volume of the water. It's to the disperse it's it out. particulates per million is usually yeah. how they measure that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but again, when I go hiking, I don't drink the water straight. I boil it or strain it. Even when Daniel almost died on me on a hike, I boiled the water before what? I put it in him. No, I got super dehydrated. I got, I just got, I got really. We dehydrated. made a mistake. We 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 decided to go hiking in the middle of the day, and we took off work, and it was ninety five degrees, and it was it was too and hot. And also, I was wearing blue jeans, and I was almost at your max weight. Too, I was, I was time. super overweight and out of shape, and I hadn't. I mean, we did like a two mile. I mean, I made it. I made four the miles. And you made it yeah, four it miles, wild. and you drank two gallons of water along yeah. the way. But I always take I always take a two quart pot with me, and we were right next to the river, and I got a fire going, and I got it as boiling and in him as fast as I could. Yeah. But it was a good three gallons of water before he was normal again. Um, yeah, dehydration will sneak up on you. Well, let's yeah. let's wrap it here. I think I think we've gone a good run. We'll have to do this again. We'll have to keep talking about this. Do we have good, this. good discussions? Yes. I didn't I think get the into big... any of my other stuff. Mon well, I'm so sorry. Get to it. We'll have you back and we'll talk about it again. I think I think the big takeaway at this point, at, at least, is we're all different. Everybody needs to figure out what works for them, and and that's stop I think that's the big aspartame. And stop drinking aspartame. Don't drink your calories. And at least read bad, what's in bad, your food. Bad, bad, bad. Read Wait, what's let in me your just food. say one more thing. What? Say it. Oh, I was gonna say aspartame. Not only is it highly addictive, so you're getting addicted just to the aspartame. You have to you have to actually taper off when you stop it. You can't just quit cold turkey or you'll do harm to your body. That's the kind of drug it is. Also, it causes weight gain. So you think you're drinking it because you're trying to lose weight. And you don't want to drink real sodas because they have a lot of sugar. You'd be better off drinking the real soda because of what the aspartame does to you. It makes you gain weight. It tricks your mind. And that's why it, do, it causes all these all these problems in your body. So if you could just wean off of it, when you get, when you have your stress time, drink a half one of those things and dump the rest out. And then the next time drink a quarter of it and dump, you know, wean off of it. And eventually you won't. Yeah. Or anymore. just drink whiskey. I mean, <laughs> Hey, at least that's triple distilled. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's where we're going to end it now. Perfect. Okay. <laughs>